We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, October 23rd edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Joining me today is Derek Van Riper, like every Monday. Uh, Derek skipped due to uh, slight illnesses, let's say. Just not wanting to get even sicker. Derek skipped the Packers game, didn't go to Lambeau, but you watched the game from Lambeau. So Brett Hundley, I mean, he ran for a touchdown, but real life was that that couldn't have been inspiring. It was not, partially because of his play, partially because of the, the play calling and some of the setups. I mean, the first half, everything was was kind of going well. The running game looked really good uh, with Aaron Jones. First drive in particular, Packers were just ripping open huge holes and Aaron Jones had tons of space. Uh, and it, it just, I don't know, like the game plan was stale in the second half. It was a couple third and shorts they didn't convert early on, and you can't do that against a team like the Saints. So eventually the field position battle uh, was starting to favor the Saints as well. You know, you just you can't you can't go three and out several times and a half right. against the Saints. They will make you pay for it. But yeah, 3.5 yards per attempt for Hundley. Uh, one pick as he was trying to drive the Packers back into contention very late in this one. And if he had not 
rushed for 44 yards in a TD, it would have been a <laughs> fantasy disaster, but it was at least a passable game. If you used them like in a GPP or a super flex league, it was good enough to kind of check the box of ample QB two performance, despite the fact that it wasn't great. Right. The run saved you. Absolutely. And, and that we know he can run. That's a, that's a good sign. At least it, it's, it's a sign that keeps us away from, Oh my God, I can never use this guy situation. Okay. Um, everybody Twitter, Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Jay Halpin 37. We're also at Rotowire and at Rotowire NFL. If you'd like some news, um, plenty of info on Facebook along with some Q and A's over the course of the week. Um, let's just check out the games. Um, first, so Bucks Bills was high scoring, certainly. That that was funny. Of all the low scoring games yesterday, did I read this morning seven teams did not score an offensive touchdown? I think that's what I read this morning. Wow. Um, that's that's a lot. And it's the first time in 16 years or something like that. But the Bills Bucks was a shootout. And the most surprising guy, OJ Howard. I mean, we had we had pretty much settled on the OJ Howard is not a fantasy asset. And, and he put up a big day, two touchdowns. Um, is O.J. Howard a fantasy asset moving forward? Or are you I, I, I am looking at this with a great deal of skepticism. I think you, you have to look at it with a lot of skepticism because they have Mike Evans. They have Deshaun Jackson and they have a, a TD vulture in Cameron Brait. You know, Howard could be a guy that gets more targets than Brait. He could be similarly value from similarly valuable from a fantasy standpoint, if not even more valuable than Brait, but Brait's always going to be there when healthy to just hose him. And that that's not good. Like you, you, you can't, you, you can't rely on a tight end who loses valuable red zone targets on a regular basis. One of those TDs in particular was a really long uh, blown coverage play. So, you, you know, yeah, he, he made his layup, but I'm still worried about OJ Howard because he disappeared from the game plan a few times. Maybe I'm still bitter about week five when I had to play him in, uh, on that Thursday when Gronk got scratched <laughs> and he didn't do anything, get that target at the end of the game that he didn't even like look for. But as talented as OJ Howard is, I'm not sure there's going to be more than two, maybe three weeks for the rest of the season where I'd say, yeah, you know what? I don't have a tight end this week. I'm going to go ahead and throw him in there. Yeah, the, maybe against the Saints in week nine, they get the Saints at 17. I assume that game will matter for most fantasy owners. And then the Packers in week 13. So, yeah, two two matchups in particular that kind of stand out, but generally, no, nah, I don't. I don't want OJ Howard. Yeah, even with uh, this this week, I was actually looking at the bye week. There's six buys in week eight, but the, it's not a strong tight end by group. I mean, Engram and Delaney Walker are the big ones, so um, there's probably no need to scramble for AJ Howard there. But yeah, yeah, I think you and I are in agreement on that. All right, Panthers Bears. Oh my gosh, that was the, the, the people here. By the way, freaking out this morning completely freaking out the offensive coordinators getting fired by everybody again um i i wasn't too shocked i mean i think i wasn't shocked that the bears won i was shocked at the way it played out with i mean nobody scored <laughs> mitch trubisky threw seven passes <laughs> it's yeah awesome. i love it it's like i think woody hayes was coaching the bears yesterday the bears only ran 33 plays on offense yep that's got to be near the bottom of offensive plays running a game in the last 20 years, right? Uh, it's it's got to be something like that. I mean, time of possession, what was it, 38 something? I mean, it was a, it was a ridiculously um, slanted thing toward the Panthers and a couple of turnovers hurt them. 
Um, I mean, it's funny. There's not much because of the way that game shook out. I mean, there's not much to take away from the Bears, certainly here. Um, on the Panther side, again, it is. I think I asked you this last week. Is Christian McCaffrey the most extreme PPR versus standard difference kind of guy that we've seen in a while? It's just real. It's so ridiculous how in standard you almost you can't use him. But in PPR, you almost have to. Yeah, that's that's kind of the split for me right now. I think he is the most extreme pass catching specialist type for PPR that I've seen ever. And I, I've been playing fantasy football for probably 20 years now. Mm-hmm. He's the weird thing about Christian McCaffrey continues to be the lack of big, big plays. Like I thought he would be just so explosive that we'd see him on the in-game cut-ins and on the highlight reels all the time. And he does make some nice plays, but it's not the long scoring play barrage that I expected from him, especially coming out of the preseason too. He flashed some of that ability in the preseason, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of him at this point. Is it an offensive line issue? Is it a matchup issue where teams are, they're really going overboard trying to prevent him from making those big plays because they don't really think anybody else in this offense is all that explosive. I mean, that could be part of it. Mm-hmm. Can that be all of it? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the offensive line is a huge part of it, but he's, as we, I think, I think we've talked about, he doesn't seem to break tackles. He, it's really interesting to me that, you know, I don't want to give up on anyone after seven games, but, but there was a lot of talk from the Panthers about how McCaffrey was a good inside runner. And I don't know. I don't know how, I mean, I, I, from what I've seen so far, I mean, I know there's not a lot of holes, but he he kind of first contact he's down. So not a good. That's not encouraging. No, I mean, at all because it it's the kind of thing that even if you're not getting a big per carry number, it could explain why you're at two and a half and not three and a half or something like that. Because you could put some of that on the blocking, but yeah, a two and a half yards per carry when you're that fast, you're that explosive, is a big problem. Right, and I'm trying to find a comp here. And I know that sometimes that's a lazy way to do things. I'm trying to find a comp. I actually just looked up Reggie Bush's stats. And it's McCaffrey seems to be a slightly, so far, Reggie Bush in his rookie year at the Saints, 88 catches. And McCaffrey's trending that way. McCaffrey's trending toward 100 as of right now. Um, 3.6 yards per carry for a total of 565 on the year. The thing is he carried 155 times. McCaffrey's only at 45 through seven games. So it's it's even more extreme again. So uh, I don't I don't know if there's a better. I mean, Larry Centers, I could look him up later. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, I, I think I think the Reggie Bush thing makes a lot of sense. I mean, McCaffrey and Bush were just amazing college players. And maybe the games don't translate perfectly to the NFL. I, I, I mean, I, I kind of bought into what the Panthers were saying, because I also bought into what our, our buddy Scott Jenstead was saying. I mean, Scott's a Stanford guy. He watched I think, every one of McCaffrey's games in college, and he was sold on him as a runner, too. And I, I, didn't, I don't think that was a homer call. I, I think it was a legitimate, hey, this, is a guy, this guy's better than people think. So maybe it's a buy low window, especially in, in non-PPR. I think in PPR, you'd have a hard time yeah. uh, prying him away because the, the floor of like 8 to 10 points in your second running back every week is pretty nice, actually. It's really nice. Uh, yeah, it was funny. People were asking about him yesterday. I said it's the same thing. In PPR, you, you, he, he's a must. 
because you got you have a basically you have a 10 11 point floor you know you know he's catching six passes and you know whatever he gets on the ground is just extra but I, st- yeah. I still wonder how much of it is a rhythm thing when when you're getting that few carries like players talk about this a lot right where they say hey you know i just i just didn't really get into a rhythm right under 10 carries every game except for week one when he had 13 and that was one of his better games he had 13 carries for 47 yards in his debut so is it is that part of the factor too he's just not able to to get comfortable because it's, it's so sporadic when he gets to actually carry the ball i i don't know i i don't i, I don't th- i don't know if i buy into that so much and it's not again, it's not all his fault that he can't run well, but because the holes aren't really there. But it, it, I don't know. I mean, how it, you, you try to get a guy into a rhythm who's not gaining any yards. How, how much do you give that? Because you're because basically what you're saying is you're waiting for the 22 yard carry. Or, you know, hopefully the 60 yard one, but you're, you're waiting for the 20 yard carry at the expense of, you know, going two yards a pop for for six, seven, eight times. Is that that's a tough way to go. It, it really is. And you can have a lot of unsuccessful drives. You can put the other team in a good position. If, you know, if you're getting, you're going three and out deep in your own territory and punting and giving the other team, the ball near midfield, that is a problem from a, a real life standpoint. And coaches aren't going to give you those opportunities anymore. If it takes you 15 carries to get the one for 20 plus, that might not be, a good enough success rate for the coaches to keep going back to you. If everything else is two yards or less. Right. And again, they and, and they seem to run well enough early. And I don't know if the correlation of when they slowed down was when Ryan Khalil got hurt. I'd have to look at the play by play. I mean, it seemed that way. Um, hopefully he's okay after aggravating his neck again. But um, yeah, that, that team's a little bit of a, I don't, I don't know what to do with them. They're very confusing. Um, Titans, Browns. I'm, uh, well, I don't know. Another one. Fantasy wise, I don't know why. I mean, we're talking about it because we usually talk about every game. <laughs> There's really not much to talk about. I think one thing we talked about Eric Decker. That Delaney Walker. We weren't sure if he was going to play, and he did. And he did. And he had a decent day, but then he sprained his ankle. Um, well, we talked about Eric Decker last week, and Eric Decker. You know, we got nothing. Can we trust any Titans wide receiver? Not really. No. I mean, this was a, a good matchup, too, where you thought they could pick on the Cleveland secondary. Mariota didn't make any big mistakes. He didn't throw any picks, but he was averaging six yards per attempt. I mean, that's just awful. Right. I thought there was a chance DeMarco Murray would sit. He didn't. He was better than Derrick Henry on a per carry basis. It was 18-13 on the split. This was this was a bad game. I mean, understandably so. A 12-9 game in Cleveland is just horrible from all measures uh, all field goals for the right. scoring I mean, that's just the worst let's circle back to the panthers for a second okay you know i was feeling pretty good about cam a couple weeks ago do you just write this off to the bears defense being maybe better than everybody's been giving them credit for do you think there is some dysfunction with the carolina offense as a whole i mean 50 rushing yards which goes a long way towards helping you when you don't throw a tv pass but 6.2 yards per attempt he was sacked five times had the two picks, no passing TDs. Is everything still okay with Cam Newton? I think it is. I, I think, I mean, he's going to have inconsistent. I think the Bears, de- yes to almost everything you said. I think the Bears defense is better than people are giving him credit for. And I think Cam's going to, passing wise, I think they're going to be up and down games. I, I think because the line doesn't help him. And he's under a lot of pressure. 
I don't want to not, you know, I don't want to take all the blame off him because he throws some, I mean, that pass, the one interception to Trevathan was terrible. Not sure that the one to Benjamin that got tipped up in the air wasn't his fault too. Um, so I don't know. I think he's fine. Fantasy-wise, I think he's fine. Now that he's running, he's fine. I mean, there's going to be some weeks, you know, yeah, you get, you get 170 yards passing and zero touchdowns and you better hope that he gets in the end zone with a run. I mean, hopefully he runs 40, 50 yards, but yeah, you're rolling until further notice. You are still rolling with Cam Newton every week. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, Eddie Jackson had two TDs defensively for the bears in this one. That was just pretty amazing performance actually. Right. And the one, I mean the, the tip, the second tip, I mean, basically the one went straight up in the air and landed into his hands. And you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't, the pass wasn't a good one, but you know, it was kind of a lucky play too. Um, yeah, what a weird game. Um, all right. Otherwise, yeah, the Browns, I don't even know what they're doing at quarterback. I guess we'll figure it out. That's something who knows from week to week. I don't know that it matters at all. Um, at Saints and Packers. So we talked about Brett Hundley. Um, Aaron Jones, I mean, took over. He took over. Is this, is this a Ty Montgomery? Is this a cut Ty Montgomery situation? No, I mean, I don't think so. They're on bye in week eight. He had that rib injury, and I was surprised he played last week. And you have to wonder, did he just come out of that game really sore, banged up, you know, that game against Minnesota? Did the coaching staff or the training staff pat him up, put him out there? Again, it's more of a pain tolerance thing with ribs, but did he just feel so crappy after playing? They said, you know what? We don't want to have to go to Jamal Williams as our backup. So you're going to be the backup today. We're going to run Jones. I mean, Jones was in there on that first series, I think, for every single snap. So if there's not a health component to Montgomery playing less this week, then the Jones takeover has happened. But I do think there is a health element with the buy looming in week eight. I could be wrong about that. I looked at the ownership rate on FanDuel. I think Aaron Jones was under 1% owned <laughs> in the uh, the million-dollar rush. And some idiot that I know uh, paired Brett Hundley with Ty Montgomery in a tournament lineup, thinking, hey, it's wet, it's rainy, everything's going to be on the ground. If they do throw reasonably well, uh, I could have a bunch of money for for Dez and Julio and, and A.J. Green, and it'll all work out. And if I'd done that with Aaron Jones, it might have been okay. Right. But, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite see that coming. I don't think there was a lot of warning with that because if you remember last week in Minnesota, things were pretty close to even as far as how they were being used. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and you may have something there. And, and if Ty Montgomery, they've got week eight off. So, so maybe we'll revisit this and maybe the Packers will revisit this for us leading into week nine and tell us, you know, hey, Montgomery was a little banged up and needed some time to refresh. And now he's full strength. And then maybe we're back to a split. Um, Jags Colts. I think the biggest thing I want to caution people about Jags Colts. So, and, and you noted this, I think on Friday. So Fournette didn't play. Uh, the Ivory got more work, but TJ Yeldon wound up <laughs> putting up some decent fantasy numbers. He went nine for one twenty-two. Um, for sure, the, of course, of a right? Huge touchdown run, yeah, but. They're off in week eight as well. Fournette should be fine. Please, folks, don't go chasing these Jaguars running backs this week, right? Never, never chase TJ Yeldon ever. <laughs> I mean, I, I did that a lot like, last year, by the way. I, I, I may have gone my entire career without having TJ Yeldon on a team. I, I might, I might have avoided that. I'd, I'd have to look back at, at every one to be sure, but. 
he just never was one of my guys, partially because the team was so bad, partially because the skills just seemed a little suspect. But yeah, he, he looked really good yesterday against the Colts. And I know with Andrew Luck out, things are different. But if Andrew Luck were there, Chuck Pagano would still be seemingly overmatched week to week. And he didn't build this roster. And the front office is a disaster. This is a bad organization. Yep. Like, think about this organization without Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, without first overall pick quarterbacks. What, what would the last 20 years have really looked like for the Colts? Bad. Really bad. Just like league average quarterbacks, like Flacco types. Well, that's, that's Flacco like two years ago types. Mm, I think we would have been looking. I'm trying to think of a, a franchise. Chargers? Worse. Worse? Worse than that. Okay. I mean, like a team that's rarely in playoff contention is very hard to watch and has seemingly no future. Well, I, uh, until last year or two years ago, I think we could have said Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, maybe the maybe the pre Jameis Bucks could be like that. Kind of like the Bears, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the Bears, like throughout my lifetime, the Super Bowl shuffle Bears were when I was like a really little kid. So I know of them. I didn't really watch them at the time because I was three. But the Bears in my lifetime, the, the Super Bowl they went to, is it, it's amazing that's the one the Colts won with Peyton Manning. Right. They, they've, they've at best had this opportunistic defense or even a good defense at times that can shut people down. Special teams like Devin Hester, kind of stuff like that. Never really good quarterback play. Never, never a team you were ever excited to watch. Ever like I, I, I know a lot of people who are Bears fans. And I, I was kind of wonder, like, how do you get yourself like in a mental state to turn the game on and watch it start to finish? Like, this is your team. And how, how do you how do you still support this? <laughs> it's, a, it's such a proud organization with a rich history and a cool stadium. And there's all sorts of great things about the Bears, like as a franchise, but as an actual product one of the least watchable teams in the NFL in my lifetime, maybe the least watchable, uh, save the Browns. The Browns are like in a tier of futility all by themselves. Absolutely agree with that. Um, yeah, but that's part of it is that the, the legacy franchises get more rope from their fans. You know, the other ones, I mean, down here where I am, if the Panthers are bad, people just won't, they, they just won't go. They're a little better now, but I, I mean, they just would. And the Bears fans like, you know, hey, my family's been doing this for 80 years. So I'm going. And, right. And yeah, that, yeah, it's yeah. also a little different now because you've got more options at home. Your TVs are better. You can sell your tickets online, all that stuff. But, yeah, but there's, you know, I, I think franchises like that. I mean, if the Packers were bad, you'd still have more people showing up than if the, char- let's say the Chargers, for instance. I, I think tickets were under $10 for this game. On, on the ESPN scoreboard, they show you like, there's right. like a link to buy tickets and everything. Under ten dollars for for a conference home game, they're two and four. It's week seven. Like in theory, everybody's still in it. Yep. And that they, they couldn't give tickets away. And I, I think it, yeah, in the case of the Bears, the Packers, uh, the Steelers, when, when those teams are down, people do still show up. But anyway, I, I think the Colts it was, again. They, they had they had Manning and they have luck, so they've been they've been able to compete and hang around and even got a Super Bowl, but. They just they don't seem to do a lot of other things right. And it's it's worse now. I mean, there was a there was a run with Manning where some of the supporting cast players were actually very good. Yep. 
But pre-Manning, they were awful. And there were times with Manning where you kind of felt like they should win more. And the teams they put around Andrew Luck have been mostly bad. Yeah, agreed. That's a, it's it's a shame because that's too bad. And Andrew Luck, I, I you know, and, we, and we're never. I, I don't know. Not never. It, it's hard for us to know the answer. Is Andrew Luck the quarterback he was cracked up to be? Because the last two years the injuries have hurt, and we're not sure how much better he's going to get. You know, he he seemed to hit a ceiling that we thought was a little lower than expected, right? So, and we're not sure what he's going to be if he's ever going to be, the, the, you know, the top tier you know, superstar that we kind of hoped he'd be when he came out. And, and part of it, yeah, there's so many variables. The offensive line always seems like it's like a bottom five offensive line and or it's hurt. So then he's dealing with just no protection most of the time. It's kind of T.Y. Hilton or bust for them in the passing game for the last couple of years. I mean, we've had high expectations for Dante Moncrief. Those have gone uh, largely unmet and they haven't had a great running back in a while. I mean, as, as amazing as Frank Gore's durability and longevity really are. I mean, we, we, we probably in, in the general conversation about football players, just underrate the guys that hang around and can still do it at that age. But he's not the kind of guy that makes your offense better at this point. Right. So while I, I completely respect the fact that he can still play in the NFL at an age where most players are five years out of the league, that's not good for the team, for the product, for Andrew Luck, for anybody. So, yeah, I mean, like the, the offensive line issues. Yeah, the Jags have a good defense. Jacoby Brissett was sacked 10 times yesterday. Right. It, how many times would Andrew Luck have been sacked behind that line? At least five, right? Oh, yeah. Lots. Yep. I mean, at, le- at least five, maybe seven or eight. You can't put more than a few of those on, on Brissett's lack of experience. Nope. And, yeah, and Jacksonville is very good on that side of the ball, so... All right, so basically is there, I mean, on the other stuff in the Jags in this game, the receivers did well, but it was against the Colts and against the Colts in a game where the Jags didn't have Fournette, so maybe they're throwing a little more, even 26 attempts, maybe a little more than they would at Fournette in a game like that. I mean, is there any actionable fantasy intelligence from this game? I don't think there is. No, I don't think much has changed. I mean, I think the only real question you have, if Fournette gets hurt again, did Yeldon do enough to carve out more of a, a timeshare in carries in future weeks? You no. know, that, that, that's that's the one kind of hanging question. But I'm there's nothing actionable about that right now. It's kind of more of a well, if I'm desperate, maybe now I'll think about Yeldon if someone else has Ivory if Fournette misses more time. That's small, small change. Uh, the, the other thing about this, I guess, looking at Alan Hearns going over 100 yards for the first time this season, eight targets. I still don't really trust Hearns, even though I, I think he's a pretty good player because I don't trust Blake Bortles. I mean, you look at the target volumes going back to week three for Hearns. He scored against the Ravens in this game where he had three targets, three, 10, three, three, eight. Yep. And I don't, I mean, maybe in GPPs, but in like season long, I, unless I had an injury and a guy on by, I just, I, I can't fully trust him for things that are out of his control. Right, and that's a team that will be if they can have a game where they run the, where they throw the ball less than twenty times. We've seen they'll be happy to do it. So yeah. I, you know, so your volume's limited. So yeah, I, I don't I don't trust any any of those receivers at all. Um, Cardinals Rams uh, blowout. 
the Cardinals the Cardinals are just not good. They the two two of their wins are against terrible teams. They're just not good. Um, Carson Palmer broken arm out for most of the rest of the season. So so now basically we are in we are in complete stream against the Cardinals territory. They're off in week eight. They visit San Francisco in week nine. If you were looking ahead to streaming a defense, so um, otherwise here the Adrian Peterson experiment uh, <laughs> Act Two was not as good as Act One. It wasn't, and I think on Friday I was talking about the Rams have a surprisingly soft run defense. Like they've been generous per carry. So if you can't run it against a team that's been bottom five in in the amount of yards per carry they're allowing that is not an encouraging sign palmer played like half of this game before breaking his arm so there was at least an opportunity for the cardinals offense with him on the field to try and run it with peterson they couldn't it's all falling apart i mean how much does this ding the value of like larry fitzgerald like going from palmer to stanton does it change it some a little a lot not at all like how, how much of a downgrade does fitz get now with stanton take over at least through week 15, if not for the rest of the season. I was looking up Fitz's stats last night from his game logs from when Stanton, when Stanton played in 2014. And it wasn't good. It was a lot of, as, as we like to talk about, we talked about with Aaron Rodgers last week with the low quality targets because the conversion per target was bad. And it, it's got because sometimes I think I think your your instinct is to look at Fitz and think, well, he's running the underneath stuff, so it, he'll be safer, right? But it's it's not. I mean, looking back at those at those game logs, and I, I can pull them up in a second. It's it, it wasn't really good. It was kind of it was one of those things that made you go, ooh, ten targets, three catches, kind of like that. So mm. I think it dings Fitz. It's one of those things. He's one of those guys who's going to be in a situation where you go, I'm probably going to play him, but I can't say how excited I am to do it. So like the best case scenario is that like Drew Stanton turns Larry Fitzgerald into Cooper Cup. <laughs> That's like everything like going reasonably well, because Fitz is obviously a better player than Cup. And you, you underneath shorter routes, all that, you know, he's still got great hands. That's fine. But the big playability is just not there. And the yardage for Fitz in these games, I'm looking at some of these games in, let me pull up the, uh, the Stanton game. So I know because Palmer was, was kind of on and off. So uh, I've got the game logs right here. So we need a website that has yards per target numbers for receivers with each quarterback they played with. Like those, like that split would be really helpful you can do that the, uh, there's sites that have splits like you can do that include you know include a player and all that stuff um all right so stanton i'm looking he plays 914 921 and 105 when fitzgerald gets six out of ten three out of seven three out of seven and he's 57 34 and 51 yards right then this is all from 2014 then stanton comes back in the middle of November, plays in five consecutive weeks, starting on the 16th. Fitz goes two for four for 33 yards, four for nine for 34 yards, seven out of 10 for 30 yards, four out of 12 for 33 yards. No, actually, sorry, that's it. no, the, that was the last one was Palmer, but it was low yardage 
not catching as many of the targets. And this is all this is just reading numbers, everybody. So I'm not going back and say, well, I watched the tape of these games. We're just reading the numbers here for when Drew Stanton played with Fitz in 2014 for an extended period. And it's not encouraging. Yeah. I mean, what what reason would you have to even argue that things could be any different? Like, I don't I don't really see any path for that more experience. Sure. But their next few weeks, they've got, so they got the Niners on the road, which, you know, whatever, it's not a bad matchup, but they get Seattle at home, but it's still hard on a short week. They get Houston on the road the week after that, they get the Jags the week after that. So their November looks pretty awful. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. So stream your defenses against, against the, against the Cardinals until further notice. And, and maybe, I mean, looking ahead to week nine, don't, don't, Adrian Peterson should not be a lock for anybody's lineup anymore. And I don't want to be reactionary. I think, I think yesterday, after what we saw last week, you had to start Adrian Peterson yesterday. I know it was only one week, but with all the work he got, you, you kind of had to roll with him again. Now he's, he's going to, I think he's probably going to be a hit and miss guy. They will run him until the game script goes bad. And now they're more likely to have the game script go bad. Yeah, well, I mean, those matchups, uh, San Francisco, Seattle, Houston, Jacksonville, the Rams in week 13 as well. Uh, Titans, Redskins, Giants, Seahawks again in week 17. There, I mean, there is even like Washington has, has a great pass rush. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the game script going bad. You could see that happening in all but maybe like two of those games because they, they could just get completely smothered by the bulk of those defenses. Yeah, I, I when when they signed Peterson... I was on under 500 yards rushing for the rest of the year. I'll, I'll still hang with that bet right now. It wasn't looking good for us last week. Nope. I was on the same side with you, but um, yeah, it might, might be trending in that direction again with the Palmer injury and what we saw from him in week seven, which I, I, this is one of the things about the NFL I don't quite get. How does he look so good a week ago? I don't Tampa Bay is a weak defense. I mean, like LaShawn McCoy got right against them and that certainly bodes well for McCoy going forward too. Peterson, it wasn't just that it was a good matchup. He kind of looked like the AP that we thought he'd be at this stage of his career and not the guy that struggles to get carries and floats around like three yards per carry over right. his last couple seasons. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm, I'm worried he could be that. And this situation is not setting up well for him at all. So no, it, again, it, like it, you said, the schedule is brutal and, Palmer's out and bad line and it's not good. Um, Jets Dolphins. So Cutler hurt his ribs, might miss a couple of weeks, two, three weeks. Um, uh, Matt Moore hit Kenny Stills for two touchdowns. Are are you, are you uh, upgrading Kenny Stills as a result of this? Or do you think it was, you know, just kind of the way the game shook out and, you know, could, could be if Devontae Parker comes back, we're back to normal. Yeah, I think the interest in Stills is tied to the availability of Parker. Uh, Parker's the kind of guy that can get downfield and make big plays. That's what Stills kind of does at his best, too. So it, it's all about streaming him. With a bunch of teams on by next week, you may have to do something like that. Uh, nine targets is a pretty lofty expectation, but you think about it. It's like it's Landry and Stills and not much else. I'm, I'm just frustrated, though. Anthony Fasano comes in, snags a TD instead of Julius Thomas. <laughs> I, had, I had to play Thomas against Liss in the Stopa League, the two tight end league. Thought I had a decent thing going. 
And then I see Anthony Fasano on my TV on the Red Zone channel <laughs> celebrating a TD. That's that's like red, ultimate Red Zone tilt yeah. is, is when Anthony Fasano scores. You, you just get angry. I know. Uh, I can imagine if I was playing Julius Thomas because I wouldn't be happy about playing Julius Thomas anyway. And if I got three for 58 out of him, I'd probably think it was a win. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, man. That's well, right. here's the question for you, though. With Jay Ajayi, he got shut down by the Jets in their first beating, too. He had 26 touches, yeah. 51 yards, so 2.2 yards per carry for the 23 carries he had, three for 26 in the passing game. Their offensive coordinator said he's because he's missing time during the week, preventative maintenance for his knee, that might be holding him back in the passing game. And 8.7 yards per catch seems fine to me. But would they benefit from, instead of giving him 26 touches, just giving him like 20, 18 or 20, would he be better with a little less? over the course of what's left of this season, are they basically, are they wearing him down? Like despite their effort to reduce the wear and tear on his legs. And remember they had to have that week one bye because the game in week one uh, had to be rescheduled with the hurricane. Is that something that if you're a Jay, a Jay owner, you're kind of concerned about like he's already having some per carry problems and the workload so heavy that he's going to keep playing week in and week out. And it's, probably he's probably not, it's not gonna feel any better as the season goes on he's only gonna feel worse I, I don't know i mean last week he had 130 yards so i don't know i mean maybe maybe they wear him down but you know, what else are you gonna do I, I you have the passing game weapon you have the receivers anyway i don't know if you have the quarterback to deliver but okay i mean i don't think they're gonna do that i think they're gonna ride him as much as they can and whether he should whether he'd be better with 20 instead of 25 i, I don't know I, I don't I don't know if I buy that. He still hasn't scored yet this season, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, that's very weird. He's McCoying right now. <laughs> um, Thursday at Baltimore. So yeah. a, short, a short week for a guy that already has a knee problem. I, I'm saying this knowing full well I could look like an idiot, but that looks like a, a spot where you I don't think you, I don't I don't think you can sit Jay Ajayi because no. he's he's getting, he's getting too many carries. Absolutely not. You're right. But you go into week eight with some some pessimism about what his output might look like in that road environment on a short week. Right. And then he's got uh, the long layoff, air quotes, before the Raiders uh, Monday night game against the Panthers and then the Bucks. So schedule's not horrible, but the short week for him right now, it seems like it's coming at a kind of a bad time. Uh, I think you're probably right. Um, all right, everybody. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. I'm telling you, it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats. Uh, I, need to, I need to get to Hornets soon. I need to, go, I need to go see Dwight Howard play for the Hornets. I'm going to use SeatGeek for that. I thought you were going to say you need to go see Frank Kaminsky. I do not need to go see Frank Kaminsky. Much, as, much as Frank seems to be a, a you know, a an interesting guy and he's a good Twitter follower and he's funny. I don't know that I want to pay to go see him play. I mean, I'll watch him, but yeah, Dwight Howard, he's playing, he's getting rebounds. I'll say that. I'll tell you the guy I really want to go see in person who I saw last year was Giannis when the bucks come to town. I don't know when the bucks come to town, but I'm going to be there. He's, I, I, I don't, I don't watch every, 
I watch every star in the NBA on a regular basis. More of a casual NBA fan at this point. Yep. But Giannis seems like must see TV when you can watch him. And like I can watch him all the time because he's in market. So if you don't have a league pass, you're kind of kind of right. stuck when the Bucks get the occasional national game, which they will when they play the Cavs. That'll be a big deal and a few maybe a few other games this year. But he just does things that I don't know if I've ever actually seen a player do that before. Right. Like I, I, so many times there'll be uh, you know, a drive to the basket, some stuff that he it's just like the stride and the, the length and the athleticism. You're like, what just happened? Like, how did a person just do that? Like, it, it, it's, it's a kind of a recurring thing with Giannis. Yep. And he seems to be, I mean, first three games of the season, he's it's he's living up to the breakout season hype. Yeah. He's putting up ridiculous video game stats. I'll have to um, go catch a game at the Bradley Center before they turn it into a skate park or whatever they're going to do with it. <laughs> right. They're actually playing the Hornets tonight in Milwaukee. Hmm. So... Well, it's not raining inside the Bradley Center. At least I think the roof's still holding up. So <laughs> maybe nah, I'm going to wait a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm going to get to a game, though. I, yeah. I will go soon. I'll I got the Giannis and Jabari bobbleheads by my desk. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm looking. What bobbleheads am I looking at? I'm a big bobblehead fan. But the only one I have is Homer the Dragon from the uh, from the Charlotte Knights sitting on my windowsill right now. My other one's broke. I've had, I had bobbleheads that were probably 40 years old, and they finally just gave out, and the spring's broke. They were they were the real bobbleheads. Yes. I've got a uh, Bill Hall Mother's Day special edition pink bat pink wristband one that's in in the media room right now. <laughs> Bill Hall, and there's like I think for every like hundred of those that they gave out because it was an all all fan giveaway. I think maybe like ten percent had the pink bat. So I, I've got the the rare collectible Bill Hall because he homered on Mother's Day. He had a walk off home run on Mother's Day. I think it was the day I graduated from college. Pretty, pretty random thing. It's wait, part of my life. Wait, hang on. You see, so you went to the Brewers game on the day you graduated from college. Is that what I'm hearing that right? Is a sequence of no, events no. They did the giveaway like the following season. Okay. And uh, I was just watching the game with my family like after after the graduation ceremony. It was like a morning thing, and the game was happening in the afternoon. Yeah. All right. Just making sure. Um, everybody, SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. It doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. And best of all, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code ROTONFL today. That's promo code ROTONFL for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat, right now. Right from your phone. Thanks, Seat Geek. Uh, Ravens Vikings. So um, the Jarek McKinnon train has been uh, slowed down. Is that fair to say right now? I mean, Latavius Murray, what in the world? He's, mm. he's fast again now? Well, what's happening? He did look good on that, that TD run in particular, but yeah, overall 6.3 yards per carry. I think it's the, a timeshare where McKinnon's still the more explosive player. Six times out of ten, seven times out of ten, McKinnon probably outscores him. Two times they're close to even, and then this game is the outlier—the one where Murray's just like better than McKinnon. And, and the reason for it is what McKinnon can do in the passing game. Three for ten this week is pretty light. If he goes three for forty, and Murray doesn't score, that could be like a more normal sort of distribution, and things would be pretty close to even. So yeah, there's I, there's still for me not much reason to be overly confident in Latavius Murray, even though he looked 
pretty good in this game against the Ravens. Okay, so Latavius Murray, last three weeks, carries 12, 15, 18, plays at Cleveland. No, sorry, not at Cleveland. They play Cleveland in England this week. Are you, do, do you, what would you tell people looking for a running back who have, say, Fournette, one of the Packers, Peterson, Gurley's off, the, the Titans are off. Is, is Murray, I mean, playable's relative, but is he playable? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think both. I think both McKinnon and Murray are going to be playable this week, given, given those circumstances. Uh, and if you're choosing between the two, well, good luck. But I think I would play, I'd still play McKinnon over Murray. Yeah. It's, it's close. I mean, again, their, their workloads are, are similar, and it's because of what McKinnon does in the passing game. I still think he's the better home run threat. So yeah, they're they're kind of like twenty five to thirty five on the running back list this week with six teams off. Right. Okay. Um. Thing, I mean, so McKinnon's still down that. I probably had him fifteenth this week, and that didn't pan out. I, I wonder how much I'm going to downgrade him with the buy, but we'll see. Um, Cowboys Forty Nine ers. Uh, the University of Iowa connection was a bust. Complete bust. Oops. Yeah. I mean, I know it was narrative and everything, but it's still aside from the narrative. If if George Kittle had gone to Mankato State, I still would have thought that was a good play. No, I would have, too, because the game script should have been favorable for them to throw it a lot. And if they're going to throw it a lot, Garcon will get his and then it's wide open as far as Goodwin, Kittle, Taylor, everybody else. I young quarterbacks, experienced quarterbacks, especially usually look for their biggest targets. And I expected more from George Kittle as well. Um, even, even if it wasn't like a DFS grade play for me, it was a pretty good, like mix and match tight end kind of play. And it didn't come through at all. Right. Uh, and I, I think that's what disappointed me. It really did. Cause I thought I figured he would be the number one target for, uh, for Bethard. And that just, Stunk. And this coming week, they play at Philly. So I don't, I, I'm not going to, I'm not giving up on George Kittle as my, you know, streamer tight end guy. This week might not be the best way to go. But um, yeah, otherwise, yeah, I, the funny thing is, you talk about the game script. I actually thought the 49ers were going to, were going to make this a really good game. And it just didn't, I mean, you know, turnover early didn't help. But the Cowboys just kicked the snot out of them. Yeah, it was a, it was a dominant performance. You know, Zeke scored three times over 200 yards from scrimmage. Dak had three touchdown passes, the one to Zeke, one to Dez, one to Witten. If, if the Cowboys could draw up their perfect balance for an offensive game plan, this is pretty much it. Right. I right. mean, kind of the, the skinny tree where everything goes through Zeke and Dez. Witten does his thing in the red zone. They run it well. The only thing that kind of catches my eye in this box score that I'm, I'm not really sure if I'm going to do anything about it is Rod Smith getting eight carries for 61 yards. Yep. Does that mean anything? I mean, you had a 45 yarder in there, so you throw that out and nothing really stands out, but I was under the impression that he's not really an option to carry the ball. I thought it would be Alfred Morris. And then eventually Darren McFadden, he continues to be inactive every week, right? Like he's just, cause he didn't play special teams or something. So he's, not even on the game day roster. We're still at least like a week away from the next phase of the Zeke legal process playing out. So 
I guess with that kind of hanging in the balance, anything they're doing at running back behind him is worth monitoring. And, and I just didn't really see Rod Smith factoring in. Right. And, and just to note, uh, Rod Smith, four of Rod Smith's eight carries were on the final drive of the game when it was 40 to 10. So they were but maybe I, just rewarding him for maybe, but I, I agree with a you. Good play, a good, good team guy or something. And I, I agree with you. When I saw the box score, I went, Oh boy, what, what is that? Because there, there have been some people in our business who are going, forget McFadden and Morris, the guy to try to take the flyer on is Rod Smith. And I don't know if I agreed with that. I, I honestly, I'm not, I don't know what they're going to do. It when Zeke go if when Zeke goes out and again week it looks like right now based on legal stuff Zeke is going to play in week eight. Um, so I don't know. It, it puts Rod Smith in play a little bit anyway. So we'll see. In in those deep deep leagues where nobody's available and you're like, hey, I've got this fab money and I don't know what to spend it on. You don't spend a lot either. You can just throw like two percent of your budget or three percent of your budget at him. Right. Who knows if, if you if you can hit on that this week before any Zeke suspension gets finalized and pushed through, then you're giving yourself a chance at having something that could help you. And I, I, I have, I have no read on what they were going to do now without Zeke. Right. Because I already thought it was McFadden over Morris and it doesn't seem to be the case unless, unless they've been like going the savvy route and sort of just saving him because Zeke carries the ball so much that running Morris versus McFadden as a backup doesn't matter. And if you're worried about McFadden breaking, but you think he gives you a better chance to win if you don't have Zeke at all. I also don't think the Cowboys are thinking it through quite that far. I think you might be right. Uh, Bengals Steelers. First of all, I would like to point out that my favorite touchdown celebration of the weekend was hide and seek by the Steelers. <laughs> now, if you didn't see it when Juju Smith Schuster scored, they did a hide and seek in the end zone Juju closed his eyes. The other guys ran away and hid and Le'Veon Bell hid behind the goalpost and Juju looked around and found him and chased him. And I was just, I laughed out loud and that was, that was it. I was, I was happy. I was pretty, I got excited about the Steelers. I liked them more. I liked them 1% more after I saw that celebration. Yeah, that's, uh, that's understandable. I mean, look, the NFL's kind of eased up a little bit on some of the celebrations, which hasn't harmed anyone. It's made the game more entertaining for everyone. But, but so, the children, Derek, why don't we tell the children about celebrations? It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, it's simple, right? If, if you, uh, you got a son that plays pop Warner, so they have, they have rules and I'm sure if they, if they play hide and seek after they score, they know they're going to get a penalty for it. Right. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are of that. The kids don't celebrate at the pop Warner field, like uncontrollably. They celebrate, yeah. I don't know if scripted celebrations would work, but I don't know. No, no, but like, like, no, like, no one in your son's league has pulled the Beckham where they've laid the ball down and then lifted a leg on it, right? No, I have not seen that. Anything like so, that? So, no. so, so, ten year olds aren't quite that impressionable. Like, I, I know, I know they will, they will do and say things that they hear and see a lot, but not every single thing they see and hear. Yep. Um. Okay. On to the other part, the, the game part of the game. Uh, Joe Mixon owners, uh, yuck, not good. And this is a game that was not a blowout all the way along, right? I mean, it was, you know, it, it was fine until halftime. You know, it was a close game at halftime. Joe Mixon, seven carries. This is, come on, we're, we're, we're six games in, Bengals. You got to throw us a bone here, please. He's averaging seven yards a carry in this game. And they're not giving him the ball more. And Andy Dalton's averaging less than five yards per attempt throwing it. 
Right. Now I'm not I'm not what you would describe as a math guy. <laughs> like I don't have a degree in mathematics, but I do think if you have Joe Mixon on your roster as a fantasy owner, you're really frustrated. If you're the Bengals, what are you thinking? Like why 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 are you even giving Jeremy Hill four carries? I don't care if you have four fourth and one situations. Giving Jeremy Hill four carries at this stage is stupid. Stop yes. giving him the ball. Make, yes. make him a healthy inactive. For, I, don't, I don't care what you do with Jeremy Hill. Just stop giving him the ball. How do you only target A.J. Green six times? Is that a Joe Hayden thing? I don't In, know. Part, I, of, part of this is they didn't sustain drives long enough to run many plays. They only ran 47 plays, which is kind of low also. But what on earth is that game plan? I mean, Joe Mixon also caught three balls for 20 yards. Right. Clearly one of their more explosive offensive players, and they – just didn't have this compelling urge to use him. And all seven carries in the first half, by the way. He didn't carry the ball in the second half of this game? No. I had to go buy groceries for a stretch, like during the halftime part of the late afternoon games. But what on? I, oh, I didn't realize he didn't carry the ball at all in the second half. I, I had that game on. I'm like, what? where's Mixon? Thought maybe he got dinged up. Nope. Joe Mixon voiced his unhappiness after the game, too, by the way. So. He should. And and, the, and it's just it, <laughs> should Joe Mixon be saying anything yet? Yeah, he should be, because uh, it's like, come on, man, like, give me the ball. Like, I'm I'm sitting here waiting for opportunities to play and, and play well. And our stupid quarterback can't do anything. And the line, the line's bad, which is part of the problem. Yep. And I, I just I I don't get that. I, I thought I thought Bill Lazor understood what to do i thought he had a, a setup that worked for dalton because dalton was starting to play better the volume for mixon in the first three games since laser took over was really good are they going to have that statement later this week where laser or marvin lewis comes out and says yeah we got to get mixing the ball more and then he gets it <laughs> 20 times next time out and it's just like why did you guys have to hit rock bottom before you could figure it out why couldn't you just do it yeah they get the colts coming up this week so that should be that should be the Joe Mixon show. A home game against the Colts. Joe Mixon should touch the ball 20 times in that game. He should, yes. Will he? I bet he does. I, I bet I bet that's going to work out, work itself out pretty well. I mean, the uh, Steelers give the ball to Le'Veon Bell 35 times, and the Bengals hand it to Joe Mixon seven times. I agree. That was not, not a good allocation of resources right there, I would think. Um, other thing I want to point out in this game, there was some talk over the weekend about how Martavis Bryant was going to get back to being more involved. Um, two targets, one catch, three yards. So, yeah, so he's, yeah, he's got to be close to being done in Pittsburgh, right? I would think so. Because you're going to get nothing for him if you, don't, if you don't use him and he just lays out his rookie deal and becomes a free agent, you're going to get nothing. Right. Flip him for a fifth-round draft pick or sixth-round draft pick, conditional, whatever, I don't care. Get something back. Just just move on. Yep. Um, Broncos Chargers. There's nothing. I, I It's funny. When I went through the list, I looked at this game. I said, I don't think there's anything to talk about. The Jamal Charles increased carries did not happen. Chargers only got two offensive touchdowns because uh, uh, Travis Benjamin had a punt return. Um, I don't know. I mean, boring. Hunter Henry was okay. Melvin Gordon was not so great, but... You know, whatever it was a tough defense. I don't know anything. Did any, anything you want to talk AJ Derby? I don't know. I don't think there's anything to talk about. I thought there was a, a Tyrell Williams 
follow up this year that was going to be good and yeah. coming off a matchup against Denver is the worst time to bring him up. But one catch, 11 yards, one target. That's kind of surprising. Yeah, Melvin Gordon was pretty quiet. Denver's still a good defense. What happened to the Denver offense? Right. Remember back in the first couple of weeks of the season when Trevor Simeon looked like a steady QB two? The, everything looked like it was going to be kind of the same for Denver where they'd run it well. They'd throw it well enough. I mean, not having Emmanuel Sanders is a big deal. Uh, you talked about the Chargers on Friday as a team that you saw as, as still being uh, capable of making the playoffs. This was certainly a big step in that direction. But I think the, the bigger story than the Chargers is just the Broncos and, and where they're at right now. I mean, losing to the Giants at home last week, getting shut out by the Chargers. Two things I didn't see coming at all. I, I didn't see them being this bad. But I, th- I think the, the last four games are more representative than the first two of what the Broncos offense should probably be. It shouldn't be that good. I don't think. Are, are they going to make a change? Are they going to go to Paxton Lynch at some point? Is he doing anything? Is he ready? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, I mean, at some point, why not, right? But, but I mean, I, people I, say that about a lot of guys. You say, why not? And I'm, I'm like, I haven't seen practice, so I don't know what Paxton Lynch is doing. Yeah, he's still hurt. He's still got that but, shoulder injury, so maybe yeah. that's part of it. So, but, but even, yeah, so e- even if when he is ready, we don't know how capable he is. They might be at the point a year and a half in where they're like, oh, I, you know, he can't play. I, I, I don't know. So, um, all right. Seahawks Giants, um, the Rawls Lacey split was Procise didn't play. We thought he was gone and he didn't. The Rawls Lacey split was back against the tough defense and they neither one of them did much. It's another one. I mean, Russell Wilson had a nice game. And, you know, they they capitalized on a turnover and he quick hit a quick long touchdown and he 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 had. I, I feel like this passing offense is, has turned a corner. Is, is that fair, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Doug Baldwin's kind of underrated. Jimmy Graham's getting it going after a really slow start. And then the the role guys like Lockett and Richardson can make the occasional contribution. This time it was Richardson uh, finding the end zone for one of the three that, that Wilson threw. And you started Tyler Lockett somewhere, by the way. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, because Jeremy Macklin ended up being inactive. And... I didn't play set the valve in the fishbowl, but I played I played Tavon Austin in the fishbowl, which is that's that's an all name sort of play. Like you, you don't realize how bad Tavon Austin actually is in your lineup until you have to put him there. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can think in your head. You're like, oh, yeah, Tavon Austin. Like he was a top 10 pick once and he, I, I see him score sometimes. Tavon Austin's touched the ball 32 times in seven games. He's averaging like. I don't know, five yards per catch, like 2.8 yards per target. He's really, really bad. I had him on my team in that league too. He's a cut in the fishbowl, I think. Yeah, I think I cut him in probably week three. I mean, to to say a player is a cut in the fishbowl when he's not on IR is really, really harsh, but actually a good indication of a player that has pretty much a zero fantasy value. And by the way, in that league this week, I'm sorry, everybody. I know I always say no one cares about your own fantasy team except you or Derek and I because that's our job. But I have to talk about one of mine in that league. I have 133 points with Wentz going tonight, and I'm getting destroyed. Completely fun. destroyed. The guy I'm playing had Zeke, Russell Wilson, Jameis, Kenny Stills, Jimmy Gray. He has 187 points, and he still has Josh Doxson to play. Well, 
that's uh, that's that's pretty bad as far as getting smashed goes. I my team actually ends up being pretty good most weeks because I went quarterback quarterback from the end of the first round at the one two turn. Right. And it's league where you can start too. So I was surprised. I, I was very surprised that Breeze and Brady were both there at the end of the first round. I wondered how many people in my league hadn't quite noticed the the super flex situation of the league yet. Right. Cause I, I, to get both was really, so I, I was, I didn't think either one would be there and they were both there. So that goes a, a long way. The, I, the first down thing I'm still getting used to. Uh, Evan Ingram's been great. Yeah. You know, he scored in that game against Seattle. He's really the only bright spot right now for the giants pass catchers. Maybe the other matchups in the coming weeks will open things up a bit for a guy like Roger Lewis. We mentioned this when Beckham got hurt. You know, Denver and Seattle as your first two matchups as a receiver starting for the first time. No <laughs> Sterling Shepard again in this one. Good luck. I mean, right. you're not going to do anything. So if Roger Lewis ends up popping up on the waiver wire, uh, I think the Giants are off this week, right? In week eight. The Giants are off in week eight. Yeah, so they're off. So he might be the kind of guy people cut in like a 14-team league, PPR, three receivers. I might think about adding him just to see what happens post by because the matchups will get a little bit better. Uh, Darkwa didn't do a ton, but he got nine carries to Wayne Gallman's five. So that's still kind of the lay of the land. I think with that backfield, they also had him catching some passes too. So that, that was one area where I thought Gallman could make up the difference. Doesn't appear to be the case right now. And Eli Manning, a 3.4 YPA. I know. Holy cow. Like that is drew Stanton esque. Right. Uh, Brett Hundley's looking at that and like, there were a lot of those yesterday. At least I'm new. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to look up the snaps for the giants backs. Let me see. Probably Uh, what? Two to two to one favoring dark. or like 22 favoring dark. 22 for Gallman, 21 for dark. Wow. All right. So for Shane Vereen. Yeah, that's the best. The best thing is when you have three and you can't trust any of them. I mean, usually that's the case because they're, they're just chopping up the workload so much, but the rare like goofy timeshare that's terrible that isn't actually terrible is the, is the Patriots. Like they're somehow like you feel okay using Patriots running backs, even though you don't feel very good about the volume your player might get in any given week. Yep. Um, speaking of the Patriots snap count, the running backs. Let's see. Come on, guys. So it is, oh, where is it for crying out loud? I'm sorry. I had it. And now gone. it's gone. No, it was here. I know it was. Here it was is. Was it Deion Lewis? Because he, De- he let him in carries. Deion Lewis, 26. James White, 23. Mike Gillisley, 13. Rex Burkhead, 13. Mm. So um, Deion Lewis was the producer of the group, certainly. Um, 13 carries for 76 yards. That's a nice game. Rex Burkhead, it Gillisley ran well. Rex Burkhead worked his way into the main. This is Dion Lewis is your man now. Dion Lewis, are you are you counseling people to pick up Dion Lewis this week? Yeah, I mean I think he's gone, and it seems like a lot of leagues, but maybe maybe like in the ten team leagues he's still out there. Um, uh, he's not going to catch a ton of passes because James White keeps doing that. Right, White, White scored in this game. Didn't have quite the monster game I was hoping for. But for the low salary that he had on DFS sites, he was at least good enough. 
by finding the end zone. Amendola was kind of quiet in this one. Gronk uh, had a, at least one offensive pass interference call. It took away a catch in this game. So he was a little bit quiet. Chris Hogan, it looked like may have suffered a concussion. I don't know if they ever had a, a report on that or if he went back into the game. I'd be kind of surprised if he didn't pop up on the injury report early in the week, just based on what was happening late in that game. But the story for me with the Patriots is really more like, did they fix their defense or does Atlanta just truly lack something that they had a year ago? I mean, some of it was the play calling. They had that fourth and one play where they, they ran uh, Gabriel across the formation. That seemed to be a little bit weird to me, like trying to, run a sort of gimmicky play in that situation. Um, throwing to Muhammad Sanu in situations where you might want to throw to Julio Jones is kind of weird. I, I just don't know what to make of Atlanta right now. Like, are they fixable or was last year just this crazy peak that they're never going to reach again? Well, they were one. Of, I mean, you, you could argue that last season was one of the 10 best offensive seasons ever by a team. So, yes, that was a crazy peak. I, I think something I think they're out of sync. I don't know if it's the new play caller. I wonder. If they're kind of out of sync, like they could, they're fixable to the point where they could still be good, but it's, you know, there, there's something off. I agree with you. With that said, I do think the Patriots probably did, did some work to fix their defense so successfully at this point. They're, they're, I, I think they're going to be, they're typical, you know, it's so funny. It was so cliche a few weeks ago to say, ah, it's the Patriots, they'll figure it out. But it's the Patriots and they're probably figuring it out. Yeah, it's it's crazy because they looked horrible. So if they're at least going to be a competent defense, they become a team you don't necessarily pick on every single week the way we might have, you know, throughout these first five to six games. All right. So, but on the backfield front, isn't isn't if you have, I mean, if you're picking up Deion Lewis now, and by the way, he is owned on Yahoo. He's owned in 29 percent of leagues. So if you want him, you can in a lot of cases, you can go get him. Don't you just look at Deion Lewis and say, you know, he's a ticking time bomb? Is that is that unfair? Is that lazy analysis? Like, don't you always think something's going to happen to Deion Lewis? I guess. I mean, I expect every player in the NFL to get hurt on every yeah. play. So right. with Lewis, he's he's got a, he's got the best coaching staff possible that mixes and matches personnel in a way that gives everybody the best possible chance to succeed. And built into that, it seems like with the running backs, as much as they they move the workload around. I think that keeps guys fresh. I think that makes guys more effective. And Lewis has been really good after contact this year, kind of the, the opposite of Christian McCaffrey and Lewis is a smaller back, especially the fact that he can do that. That should give you some faith that a guy like Christian McCaffrey eventually could do that too. Right. Um, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, and, and with him, you talked about mixing and matching and Dion Lewis being on the field for 26 snaps. If you're going to try to take care of a guy, that's a great way to do it to keep him out of harm's way as much as you can basically to, to maximize his impact without overworking him and putting him at more risk. So, all right. Um, by the way, I do want to talk about, we had a fan ball contest where we, it was a double up and, um, we got in it and I talked a little trash on Twitter about it Oops. more toward Heaney than anyone else. <laughs> um, so there were 114 people. Um, Vlad Settler finished fourth. Shocker. You. So the top, basically the money was, the payout line was the top 40, it was the top 50. You finished 55th. Tim finished 56th. 
and I finished 76th. Hmm. So I brought up the rear. Only one of us out of the four uh, reached the payout line. And that's that. I thought my lineup was good. I thought mine was pretty good, too. I think the points were up a little bit because I think some of the matchups that people were expecting to pay generally did. And I think I was a Gronk offensive pass interference penalty away from cashing. So that's pretty, pretty close. Let's see. Vlad had Zeke, Tyrod, Shady, Benny Fowler, Julio, Le'Veon. He even he, he even got through a goose egg from Eric Decker. Ooh, yeah, I like Decker, too, this week, and I didn't have as much DFS exposure to him as I might have thought. Julio, without that late TD, would have had a disappointing game. I mean, he in full PPR, especially nine for 99 and a score, 13 targets. But yeah, that TD kind of made a pretty big difference as far as feeling like you made value with him with the high salary on the DFS sites. Yeah, they even had Jermaine Kersley. He only got a touch. He only had one catch. So now eh, whatever. All right, Redskins-Eagles. This is a good, fun... We talked about this. This is a fun game tonight. I like it a lot. Um, Looking forward to seeing... I want to see how the Redskins, with their injuries on defense, can can hold the Eagles down. Like, I'm talking about the Eagles that, like, they're this explosive team now, which is funny. They've uh, played really well lately. I mean, they've won four in a row entering this matchup. Carson Wentz looks legit at this point. Uh, I know Browns fans are wondering how would our lives be different if we had Carson Wentz? Like, well, you might have a win or two, but you, you still don't have a good team. So you have problems. Um, the Eagles though, I, you and Tim have talked about this. You and I have talked about this. They seem like they are in control right now of the NFC East. A win tonight would put them yes. even more firmly in the driver's seat. And you know, the offensive line, we talked about this on Friday. It's the best offensive line in the league based on the, the pro football focus metrics that helps Wentz that helps LeGarrette blunt that helps Wendell Smallwood. It goes a very long way to have a top end offensive line. And I think the key for the Eagles really is going to come down to health because if their key guys can stay healthy over the course of this year, they kind of have like a, a sleeper Super Bowl feel to them now. I agree. Depending on what happens with Rodgers in the NFC, I think the Eagles have a good enough defense to slow down a team like Seattle so they can match up well with them. They really they match up well with everybody. They do. And, and, the, and there's no dominant team in the NFC. Right. So, I mean, if, if the Eagles if the Eagles were to win the NFC this year, it, it it's sitting here Monday morning after week seven, I, I don't that doesn't seem that far fetched. It might have been uh, a pretty bold prediction back in August, but I, they look good. They do look good. Um, and the guy who's going to run against him tonight, probably we're going to get Rob Kelly back, who when he played, he was busy enough. So see if he can run against this Eagles front. All right, everybody, listeners to our podcast, get a 10-day, free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on our website. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Um, so what do we got going on to help people? Uh, before Jake and I get on Tuesday's podcast to talk about free agents. Very early in the morning, the Kevin Payne waiver wire article will be up. So if you want to read that, in addition to listening to the pod tomorrow, you'll have that. Uh, a lot of player note recaps, of course, popping up on the site. So keep an eye on the news feed at Rotowire NFL if you want to get those uh, just tweeted directly at you. But of course, you can check it out on the site, as you said, uh, rotowire.com slash pod. Get a free 10-day trial if you're not currently a subscriber. 
Uh, Andrew Laird's got his week seven reactions column up already, too. I think that was up last night. So he works very fast. Yes. You should, uh, you should check that out. That is very fast. My dog made an appearance just now. Do you hear him? He's loud. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, a, it's a good good contribution. Probably an upgrade over the analysis you and I have provided. <laughs> you know, I lock him in another room and he still, I still can't get away from him. It's, it's ridiculous. All right, everybody. Thanks for the reviews and ratings you've been giving us. Keep them coming. We really appreciate them. Um, thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, our next episode is going to be coming on Tuesday with free agent targets. So please check back then for more great fantasy football information. For Derek Van Riper and my dog, Jake, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.